Welcome to Tech Central, welcome to our studio and welcome to TC Daily, the daily technology show brought to you by Tech Central. If you haven't subscribed to us yet, please do so. You can reach us at youtube.com slash techcentral or you can of course find us on techcentral.co.za. Subscribe to our daily newsletter and you won't miss any of these shows or any of the latest South African and international tech news. Now, very excited about our next guest in the studio today and that's Mark Rain. Mark is co-CEO of Mercedes-Benz South Africa. Mark, thanks for making the time. Thank you very much for having me. Hello, everyone. I'm really looking forward to this conversation today, Mark, because there's a lot of stuff happening in the automotive industry, um, especially around EVs. And Mercedes-Benz South Africa is doing some interesting stuff, made some very interesting announcements just in the last couple of weeks. And we're going to get into that in some some detail. But first of all, I just want to get a view from you on what the state of the industry is at the moment. We've obviously been through quite a tough time. We've had uh, the COVID pandemic. We had the July riots last year. And of course, on a global scale, there's been a, a major component shortage, which has been affecting the automotive industry. What does the industry look like in South Africa today after all of these events that we've seen? I mean, per se, I need to say, the, the industry is going through a phase of transformation throughout the last few years, but now obviously it's culminating in, in let's say, the e-mobility uh, direction, uh, but it's also going through a phase of disruption. So we've got new players joining the market, starting from Tesla many years ago to uh, now obviously also a lot of tech giants, tech companies are looking at it, uh, Chinese new automotive players are coming up. Mm-hmm. Those are all, let's say, macro factors which are influencing the, the, the industry as such. Um, and, and there's also from all ends of the spectrum disruption to our business model, how we conduct, how we treat our customers, the customer experience. Um, digitalization has definitely an impact on it. Um, but also, for instance, I'll, I'll touch on another topic, uh, e-commerce, a huge factor which maybe the automotive industry is more at the tail end. If you look at, I mean, I always use the example, when was uh, the last time you booked a flight, not online, but went to a, a, a shop and bought a, a ticket. So um, those aspects of daily life are having an impact on the automotive industry. On top of it, we obviously had, like everybody, COVID. And, and COVID had a very severe impact on the automotive industry from supply chain, to our business and operating model, to customer touch points, to obviously, um, if you look at the South African context, if you look on average, you would say probably um, a customer drives 2,000 kilometers mm-hmm. per month living in Joburg, I don't know, uh, living in Pretoria, working in Senton as an example. Um, and now so suddenly COVID came and that was reduced to maybe, I don't know, 200 kilometers a month because they work from home. That has a major impact on uh, how often customers have to go to service their car, mm. how much fuel consumption plays a role in the cost of ownership. So all of that disrupted us even more. Plus the latest, uh, you've got supply chain problems, you've got semiconductor crisis, then you had recently a Shanghai lockdown, which had a huge impact um, if you look at topics like, for instance, the logistics chain, and I could go on probably for another hour um, explaining what challenges which we have at the moment. Um, the interesting part of it is that, in general, the automotive market has been fairly resilient in South Africa, but also in South, uh, in South Africa, but also on a global level. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been facing a situation where there's globally more demand than supply, which has not been the case in the automotive industry in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Um, so all in all, extremely interesting period, extremely challenging, uh, a, a lot of new topics which we had to tackle and find solutions. And um, 
it has brought about an agileness, which in my view, long run, is a benefit to the consumer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the chip shortage that we've seen, yeah. is it anywhere near an end yet or is it still ongoing? Um, I think anybody who would say it's, a, it's at the end doesn't see the bigger picture yeah. or the full picture of it, not being aloof or arrogant in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, on the one hand, I mean, uh, COVID happened. Um, all automotive manufacturers were very cautious going into that, reduced their projections in terms of how much volume is needed. The electronics consumer industry um, had an upsurge. Everybody, everybody bought new TVs, laptops, and so on yeah. because they were more at home than outside. Um, you also need to understand the, the quality and the matureness of the semiconductors, which goes into electronics versus cars. There's a difference. Um, there was also an optimization of... Uh, certain industry players in the semiconductor sphere, which then steered more towards the consumer electronics away from automobiles. And then there were obvious reasons where big players who are suppliers, like, for instance, Taiwan, China, but for us in particular, Malaysia, a place which not many people know, Batubat, I, I, I was in Malaysia for a few years, so I actually know where that is. Okay. Um, was under a complete lockdown and the, the production plant closed down for, for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And um, because we are in a system where it's just in time, if you take one building block out, the whole chain gets disrupted. And, and A, that has had a ripple on effect. And I, I just believe this is going to be something which will be With accompanying us. us mm. Because now it's not only the semiconductor. It's, it's the Ukraine crisis, the re Ukraine war. Ukraine is actually one of the biggest supplier for the entire industry in terms of hiring warnesses, mm. which is the backbone to any car nowadays. So it, it's so complex nowadays that no, the end is not in sight and, and we don't know what mm. the next corner will bring us. Now, before we start talking about the shift to, to EVs, which is a very exciting topic, uh, I'd just like to know a little bit more about Mercedes-Benz South Africa and your operations here. How big is the operation in South Africa? I know you build vehicles yeah. here. Uh, what does that manufacturing plant look like? What sort of investments have you made in the local market in recent years? Yeah, I mean, we've got, uh, I need to underline that we as Mercedes-Benz have a great legacy and history in the South African market. I mean, we've been building cars for, for over 50 years in this country, and, and we've got a state-of-the-art production facility in East London, which uh, produces our C-Class, C-Class limousine. Uh, and that is supplied to the entire globe, from Australia to the US to Germany to you name the country. This is the core supplier of C-Classes for us in the globe. So we're very proud of that heritage also mm -hmm. and that, that fact for the South African martyr. It, um, and, and as I said, it's state of the art in terms of technology and mm -hmm. production processes. Um, that's the one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is um, basically our market operations. So we've got a dealer network with um, over 42 locations in South Africa um, with our local partners, which obviously provide the first-class service to our customers. And our head office is situated in Pretoria. Um, I must uh, mention we've just moved our head offices. We're I now in, so. yes. in Mendel, Maine. It's, uh, I, I call it a Google-like office space. So it's also very modern, very futuristic, and we're super happy as an organization to have moved into that space because that's also part of the transformation mm -hmm. of the culture, right. which, which is very important for me because we have to think and breathe and live like our customers, like our future industry. So if we're talking about digitalization or e-commerce, now our, uh, our office represents that in a way. Do you think you're becoming more of a tech company? 
Um, I would say we're neither a pure automobile nor a pure tech company. Mm -hmm. We're a uh, luxury company. We aspire to have the most, and I believe we do, the most luxurious automobiles in the industry. Mm -hmm. And part of having a luxury product is the core product substance, which is we built the greatest cars on the planet. Mm -hmm. uh, but also nowadays, and, and I'll, I'll quote one of my ex-production heads, it's a computer on wheels. Mm -hmm. So um, in the digital savvy world we live in with iPhones and what have you, if I'm, or, or Samsung phones, if I don't want to discredit anyone, um, the, the digitalization of the vehicle is vitally important because consumers expect to have latest state-of-the-art technology in, in their motor vehicles. And, and, and upgraded all the time yes, as well. Yes, and I mean, uh, if you look at, um, I mean, the main feature I use in my car is Apple CarPlay nowadays. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a given. And, and now, if you look at me as a person, but I could be the CEO of any other company, um, my car is my own space. It's my mobility provider. I want a certain status, which represents me as a person, but it's also my office. And so having that connectivity in your car is vitally mm. important. It's quite interesting to see this sort of this merging or convergence yeah. of, of of tech players and traditional yeah. motoring companies. I mean, there's been this rumor that's been around for a couple of years yeah. now that Apple is working yeah. on an EV, uh, the Apple Car potentially coming to market. Um, it's 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 almost as if the two industries are are, are converging. But yeah. the, what will be interesting to see is how exactly that convergence takes place. Who decides to do what? Yeah. Uh, whether Apple eventually launches a car, or whether it just provides the services inside other vehicles. Yeah. But it's interesting because um, I'm sure that the car companies like Mercedes, working with the tech companies to provide a lot of these solutions, yeah. also see them as potential competitors. I mean, you're, you're right in saying that, but I, I think there's a transformation of the game. I call it. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at, I say, pre the 2000s. Yeah there was no new player entering the automotive market for the last, I don't know, I, I, I don't know specific years, but I would say last 80, 100 years in a way. There wasn't a lot of change. Yeah, no. because there were only traditional players in the game, yeah. um, which was because um, the internal combustion engine, a petrol or diesel engine, is the core of the motor vehicle, mm. and it's the biggest investment in terms of research and development. So minimum you spend a billion US dollars, euros, but more in the direction of five billion US dollars uh, in terms of investment into RD to get a car which is customer ready if you want mm -hmm. it. If you take that out and you go into electrification, um, the research and development costs are very or are diminished in a, in a greater extent. And, and that enabled a player like Tesla to enter the market yes. and, and new ones. And that's point number one plus um, the car is more like a living space nowadays, including connectivity, digitalization, um, and it provides a lot of data and, and opportunity and access point to its user, its um, driver, or whatever you want to call it. And that's what makes it interesting for Apple, Google, and the likes to enter that sphere, not because they want to build cars as such. Mm. The car is the commodity and then you've got the, the driver, the consumer, and that is linked back by the uh, operating system, the digital and connectivity aspect. The software, and the cloud, yes, everything else. Yes, 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 the, yes, the subscriptions. Yes. 
Yeah. yeah. So it's, and it's, it's, I think it's actually, um, it's highly interesting and fascinating to also be in this industry at this stage and to drive this forward. This uh, for me is, I get up every day and I think, now anyway, we work in an industry which a lot of people aspire to because cars are something which people are passionate about. Then I work for a luxury brand, which I still regard as the ultimate in the automotive industry. And then we are at a stage where we see major transformation happening. Disruption. Which, uh, uh, yeah. I, I, disruption has always like a negative connotation, but uh, yeah. I say major transformation, which gives opportunity to to provide a customer experience, to provide solutions, to provide customer journeys, which are completely revolutionary. And that excites me in every way. Well, let's talk about some of that exciting stuff. Let's yeah. talk about EVs. Um, South Africa is probably quite far behind uh, many developed markets in launching electric uh, vehicles. It's, it's, it's across the board. Sales are not that high, but all the big car companies are saying we're, that's going to change in the, in the next few years. Um, in your view, is the South African market ready for EVs or do big things need to happen still? Actually, I need to thank you for that question because it's, it's honestly speaking my favorite question. Um, I've been now back in South Africa for one year. I grew up in South Africa, but yeah. I've spent the last 20 years abroad. Um, and I've seen Asian markets and the development. And you're right in saying that um, the South African market in terms of the e-mobility aspect of things is probably more a late follower or at the tail end of that, um, that um, development, um, which you could say, well, we should have been at the forefront of it. I actually think it's a, it's a benefit because South Africa as a country and we as the players in that country in terms of providing um, mobility as such, uh, including um, government institutions, can look left, right and center and learn from other markets. Was there the immediate need in a South African context in context to push in electric vehicles at an early stage? No, because uh, there are other challenges or other other aspects in this country which, which probably take um, a pole position. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and that's crucially important for me, the prerequisites in South Africa to have the EV revolution are so much better than in any other market or any other country I've seen. Because, because of the South African context, and I'm not going to name the child, but a lot of people, especially in our segment, have either gone off the grid or are thinking of going off the grid. Mm -hmm. uh, in the South African public, because of the circumstances, there is a very conscious discussion about energy and electricity as such, which is only happening in the past six months in, in Europe, for instance, because yes. of the Ukraine war. Yes. Um, so people have thought about the concept of how to use energy, how to consume electricity, and how to provide it. If you ask the average Joe Smith on the street in London or in Berlin, for instance, nine months ago, they would have not even comprehended or uh, that situation or haven't even thought about it. In a South African context, let's say, especially in our segment, I need to add, people are looking at solar panels anyway. Yeah. They, they've spoken to their friends about what would a conversion to solar panels for their private property cost. And that makes the transition to electric mobility so much more viable. Because I take the example of an average South African living in the greater Gauteng area, traveling probably 2,000 kilometers per month, that would in, have a fuel cost of 6,000 rand, and growing every month because fuel prices are going up. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have a solar installation on your house, 
you reduce your uh, your your um, your cost for your owner or the cost of ownership for your vehicle from six suddenly to a thousand rand or something mm. like that, um, and that makes the transition into an electric vehicle not only from a technical standpoint but also from an economical uh, standpoint so much more interesting, and um, that plus many other factors uh, give me the confidence that the transformation or the revolution into e-mobility in South Africa, once it kickstarts, and I think we're right at that point now, mm -hmm. will be flipping much quicker. Because I also believe that of the daily challenges which South Africans face, um, they're very quickly to adapt, to look at new solutions, uh, and uh, then to move ahead. And, and that agile nature of the South African will also facilitate that transition. Interesting, uh, interesting perspective. That um, do you do you help households at some point then with their um, uh, green energy needs? Um, you know, if you buy an electric car and you want to charge it at home, um, do you do you advise? Will, you, will Mercedes advise people on what batteries to use, what solar panels to use, etc.? I mean, um, first of all, I must say that we are entirely convinced that, especially for us as a brand. Um, the uptake of electric vehicles will come more rapid than, than a lot of people think. So we believe that by 2026, 50% of our vehicles sold in South Africa will be electric vehicles, which... which uh, That's astonishing. Uh, a lot of people question me saying, um, what did you smoke this morning in a way? <laughs> uh, but, um, What's the percentage I, right now? Uh, I mean, we've just launched the electric vehicles two weeks ago, as right. you mentioned. So there's been no electric vehicle in, from Mercedes in the market until two weeks ago. No. Okay. We, we took the active decision. So zero to 50 in four and a bit years. Yeah. Because we took the active decision. Now, we could have launched electric vehicles earlier into the South African market as we did with other countries. But we said, let's wait for the right moment and then let's go with the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to drip feed it. So we launched four vehicles two weeks ago from the EQA, EQB, EQC, EQS. So EQA being our compact sports SUV, which is the entry vehicle mm -hmm. into our uh, luxury segment. And the EQS being the S-class of all SUVs, uh, which, which is probably self-explanatory. And in the next nine months, we're going to add another three electric vehicles. And then we've got a portfolio of seven vehicles offering different, very interesting alternatives to, um, let's say, our clientele, our customers. And Fascinating. You must have done customer research. Your customers must be telling you that this is what they want for you to make such a bold prediction for four years from now. And, and, and yes, we did. I mean, we didn't do customer research in a, in a scientific or in an a, a academic sense, sure. but we um, teased the market early on. Mm -hmm. uh, we tested the appetite we saw that customers are coming to us requesting these vehicles because they've been available on a global level. And, and a lot of our clientele travel a lot to Europe and these kind of places mm -hmm. that they, they've been exposed to it. And we've seen the order intake, which we had um, since the start of the year, when we announced we're coming with electric vehicles. So we virtually sold out with all our electric vehicles into the next year. Um, and, and it's, I call it the reverse hockey stick. We're going to be shooting up in a way. Fascinating. Um, and, and I believe um, that if we would have launched the electric vehicles two, three years ago, only with one vehicle, it would have been a challenging one. And we would have been endangering the success story, burning this child too early in a way. Mm. Um, uh, but now we come with a full portfolio of different vehicle options. And, and, and we specifically said we need to also focus on the entry luxury segment. So if you look at the EQA... 
Um, it's slightly more expensive than a C-Class, but cost of ownership, it's actually more competitive if you want it. And so, so if you would be in the market shopping around for something like a C-Class, we can offer you EQA at, at the monthly installment at a similar rate, mm. and, and, and um, you would have obvious benefits out of it. Um, so, so we're very confident about the future of electric vehicles, and, and I honestly believe that, that there's a great success story. But to come back to your question, do we consult our customers? Um, we do quite a few aspects. So on the one hand, every electric vehicle from Mercedes-Benz, every Mercedes EQ comes with a free charger installed at a location of your choice, assuming your private residence, mm-hmm. uh, by Mercedes-Benz. Plus, we um, also cater for various service uh, uh, um, options and alternatives for our customers and solutions. For instance, our electric vehicle, because there's, uh, let's say, some concerns around electric vehicles. Every electric vehicle comes with an eight-year battery warranty. So you've got peace of mind. We do a six-month battery health checkup. So we, we cater for these things where people are uncertain about electric vehicles in terms of um, solar panels, charging solution. We work together with grid cars, which is at the moment the market leader in terms of charging stations. In terms of solar panels and consultation, I would say that's not our core competency. We leave that to the experts. Obviously, we're collaborating with the one other, um, which which can then we can recommend that. You mentioned grid cars and the charging stations around yep. the country, and obviously a, a, a big concern in the, in the back of consumers' minds, not just in South Africa, worldwide, is range anxiety on EVs. Yep. Are there enough charging stations in South Africa now where you confidently say that if you want to travel from here, Johannesburg, for example, to Cape Town or to Durban or to the Northern Cape even, mm-hmm. that, uh, that you're, you're not going to yep. run out of juice? I mean, a, a very good question. Uh, I, I would say it's like the chicken and egg question a bit. Um, on the one hand, and I, and I always say that with a smirk, uh, um, South Africa is at the moment world record holder in ratio charging stations to electric vehicles sold because there are not so many cars, <laughs> electric cars in the South African market and comparatively a lot of charging stations. Mm. Um, we, like other manufacturers, are collaborating with grid cars and that's good because you want scalability uh, in, in that sense. So um, there is a strong ramp up. We, from our side, provide home charging to every customer. Mm-hmm. Um, we provide also the option if you are a customer and you, you say, okay, thank you very much for this charging station. I'm going to install it my, my, at my house, but I want one at, uh, at my office. We can facilitate that as well. Um, then Gridcast obviously has a vast network already. We have charging points. A vast network. How big is this network? Um, it's a good question that I wouldn't have off the top of my head. Um, but they've got also an expansion plan. Mm-hmm. But for instance, um, you were talking about the long routes to Cape Town and to Durban and so yeah, on. Yeah. They've got a charging network along the main highways. And obviously expanding that, they have been talking to many of the manufacturers. How much do you see your electric vehicle population um, growing? And it obviously needs to go hand in hand. But also us, we're looking at investing for at, uh, in a charging station in Harrismith so that our customers, okay. which go from, let's say, the Gauteng region to Durban, yes. can safely travel there and have a charging point in the middle. Would that be a Mercedes charging station in Harrismith or is it an industry um, collaboration? We're looking at that, for, for instance, that we have a branded Mercedes-Benz charging station there. Nice. Um, uh, but talking about range, if you look at, for instance, I'll just take the EQS. Uh, the EQS 450, which we just launched, has a range of 782 kilometers. 782? So, yes. That's astonishing. Which is surprising to most people like yeah. your reaction. Um, because 
Um, obviously, the bigger cars have bigger ranges because they, they have more space for the battery pack. But if you look at, um, for instance, the EQA, 426 kilometers. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for me, it's also vitally important that you look at e-mobility in a different light. Mm -hmm. Number one, one needs to question how often you drive more than two, 300 kilometers in a day. It, it does happen, but very seldom. Mm -hmm. And the day you drive to Cape Town or the day you drive to Durban, that's once or twice in a year, if I can put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, it also requires a rethinking in terms of how you use your motor vehicle. And I always use the comparison to mobile phones, for instance. We all have that anxiety that we run out of juice with our mobile phone. So we've got a charger in the car, we've got a charger at home, we've got a charger in the office, and wherever you go, you plug in. Mm -hmm. And that's a kind of the same mindset which you have to have when you use electric vehicles. You're not going to run it until empty, go to, to a petrol station and fill it up anymore. Mm -hmm. You will wake up in the morning, and obviously because you've got your Mercedes EQ home charger installed, your car is fully charged. Obviously, if that is the case, through your solar panels and you haven't paid for it because it came through solar energy. Then you travel to the office and let's assume it's 50 kilometers, which would be already a greater distance. Then you're saying, okay, well, I've still had 85, 80% of my charge in the car. You are at the office in the morning, you plug in your car and you go out for lunch and your car's back to 100. And that's the way you approach that. And only the long distance drive considers more concerted or careful planning. Mm -hmm. Because even if you would say, I leave my house in the morning, I drive 200 around, kilometers around town, I don't charge during the day, I come back at home, you still have more than 50% if you take the EQA and with the EQS more than 75% in your battery charge and you can charge it overnight again because you most likely you're not going to use that. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the longer drives, let's assume you take an EQS from Joburg to Cape Town. 14, 1500 kilometers, you would probably do a stop in Bloemfontein, have a toilet break, have a coffee, whatever you do, you charge in between. For how long? How long would it take to top up? You've got nowadays already fast charging technology. So for instance, um, you have 130 kilowatt charges from grid cars at the moment, mm -hmm. which we also used when we did our 4,000 test drives of electric vehicles at the Festival of Motoring two weeks ago when we launched it here in Kailami. Mm -hmm. Um, 10 to 80% charge on a 130 kilowatt wa uh, charger takes you between 42 and 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And assuming that you go from Johannesburg to Bloemfontein and your car is two-thirds still full uh, or half empty, if you want to put it that way. It would get to full again. You, it would get to full again in 20 mm -hmm. minutes, which would be your coffee and your toilet bag, mm -hmm. assume that. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to, even in a petrol car, you would have two stops going down to Cape Town because it's just a 14-hour drive. Sure. Uh, that is sufficient to fill up your electric vehicle in order to very conveniently and without any range anxiety get to, uh, down to Cape Town. Assuming there isn't a queue at the charging station, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, and, and that's where I say that goes hand in hand. Mm -hmm. At the moment, the, the, there are around about 350, 400 electric vehicles in the South African market. Obviously, that's going to ramp up quickly. But we've had discussions with grid cars and the other manufacturers probably do the same. Mm -hmm in order to feed them information in terms of saying, okay, we need more charging station. And, and it's then all stakeholders need to contribute. Grid cars, we as manufacturers, private individuals. So um, there's going to be a whole new industry developing mm. out of that. So uh, we've had discussions with uh, um, petrol station 
brands which 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 have approached us and said, how can we par- be part of this game? Because there's going to be a whole new industry developing. Yeah. The logistics of it, I, th- I think, in South Africa are going to be particularly challenging, though. If you consider, for example, that uh, most South Africans tend to go on holiday in December and the highways get jammed, there's going to be a lot of demand on those charging stations at particular times. Other times of the year, they're going to be very quiet. We've also got the ESCOM uh, troubles where those particular charging stations may have been load shared at the time people are needing to charge. I mean, so for me, vitally important is that this whole equation is going to work out the more we go into solar energy. Mm. Um, because uh, only that way it can be also economically sustainable. Um, but, um, I mean, uh, think about it. I, I, I think actually South Africa in its structure as a country um, has also its benefits. Because we're not so overpopulated or metropolitan areas are not so overboarding, mm. if you look at areas in China or Seoul in South Korea or Japan or mot- metropolitan areas in, in, in Western Europe or, or California, for instance, you've got a huge population living in one central location where you need to provide an infrastructure where you've got constant traffic jams, where you've constantly got people uh, in cars, whereas, um, let's say, in the South African context, it's more widely spread or a bit more evenly distributed. I know we've got the Karoo where (laughs) there's not a lot, but um, I I think actually the prerequisites are are better made for electric mobility. Interesting. Now, I want to get a view from you on whether the South African government is doing enough to facilitate the growth of EV sales in South Africa. Now, um, I've heard a lot of stories about what ex- how exactly EVs are taxed in this country. Mm-hmm. I've heard that uh, all EVs are levied an import duty of 20 or 25% and that um, ICE cars or uh, internal combustion vehicles are not levied this tax. Is that true? And if so, why? And does it need to change? I mean, firstly, I need to say we are closely working together with, with the government. The government has a vast interest in in driving the transformation to electric vehicles, um, recognizing that the South African market was a bit later in in, in that transition, mm-hmm. and and uh, we are closely aligning what is required. Um, but there are some obvious factors which I say are prerequisites which need to change in order to accelerate that um, e-mobility transformation. Number one, the topic which you have mentioned. Um, if you would have any super sports car or any ordinary car, you would pay 18% import taxes into South Africa to import that vehicle. If you take electric vehicles, 25%. I must be quite honest, it's the only country I know mm-hmm. where an electric vehicle is actually disadvantaged in comparison to an uh, internal combustion or petrol car, if you want it. Um, that's something which... I've addressed quite vocally and um, I would say open ears and it's something which I'm hopeful which will change in the near future. So it's the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition that ultimately decides these tariffs, is that right? Um, yes, but there are obviously many players in it because it's... The tax authorities. Yeah, it's the tax authorities, it's um, it's uh, the automotive industry and the department looking after that. So there, it's, it's an overriding... It, there are many stakeholders in the game if you want it. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously there, uh, all of these need to be brought onto one page and, and there needs to be a common understanding why there's a lot of value for South Africa as a country to drive this transformation. So you had these conversations with the government. What has the reception been 
on this particular issue? I mean, um, my understanding or my perception is that they've been very uh, diligently listening to all the players' opinions, which is not only us and other manufacturers, sure. but there, 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 there are many um, stakeholders which obviously have an impact from changing the infrastructure uh, for charging infrastructure mm-hmm. to, to obviously how are we going to source the electricity knowing that there are certain challenges. Um, and, and we are at the moment at basically discussing what the right way forward is and then it goes into the decision-making stage and into the implementation stage. So you're confident we're going to see change from government side? I am very confident about that because there's a general interest and willingness from the government side to to, to drive this forward. And obviously um, one also needs to understand, like us, um, the automotive industry is a huge contributor to, th- to the South African economy and that's the intrinsic interest yeah. for the government to, to, to receive this with open arms, if I yeah. can say it that way. Well, the, the government will be very, obviously very interested in, in retaining the investments that companies like Mercedes have made yeah. in, the country, in, in South Africa, including in your manufacturing facilities in but East London. But there you have to look at the entire yeah. value chain. Yeah. So, for instance, and, and that's a discussion which I recently had, we're investing into charging infrastructure. Mm-hmm. We're investing into training. So one of the topics is we've got a dealer network, uh, as I mentioned before, 42 locations across South Africa yeah. with many people working for us, providing uh, 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 food on the table for their families. And what we do, we invest into their competency and skills. So um, all of our locations where um, electric vehicles are sold and serviced, we've invested into the training because working with high voltage items mm. requires an extra education. So we've got highly qualified staff, but in order for them to cater for electric vehicles, that required extra training and coaching. And um, uh, that's also one of the aspects So next to the charging infrastructure and uh, let's say import duties topic. Um, having a holistic approach to this topic and for instance, training of first responders, how to handle electric vehicles in an accident situation is vitally important for South Africa as a country to do the transition right. And those are learnings which South African can gladly take from other markets which mm-hmm. have to go uh, or with the early adapters in that regard. Absolutely. So just, just to stay with this question just for a moment longer, um, in just a couple of bullet points, what mm-hmm. would you like to see the government do apart from the import duties issue? to facilitate the growth of the EV market in South Africa? What, 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 are, what are the top three bullet points? I, I would have said three clear points. Yeah. It's price priority, have an equal playing field for electric vehicles and internal combustion. Don't give a price advantage to electric vehicles. Uh, that can be something which can be thought about in the future. But the first, mm. we need price priority in order not to have a disadvantage for electric vehicles. Um, and and And... I think that's already good enough in a, in a first step because then focus on charging infrastructure yeah. and infrastructure uh, in general. And that needs to be also a uniquely South African approach. Let's face it, we can't have charging stations all around the country because there's a security aspect in mm-hmm. South Africa. Mm-hmm. And we need to be realistic about it. So we need to maybe collaborate between, um, let's say, the government, us as the industry, with shopping centers, because mm. the uh, South African landscape is you're going to have a lot of shopping centers in contrast to, let's say, downtown London. I'm taking a silly example if you want it. So charging infrastructure is a vitally important topic and do it right the first time. Mm. And that ne- requires a lot of thought 
and alignment between different stakeholders in order to right, find the right path for South Africa. Mm -hmm. And thirdly, look at it holistically. We need to have first responders which are trained to handle these topics. We need an industry, uh, meaning the, the after-sales and service industry, to handle um, electric vehicles and to service them. We need a supply chain of uh, battery replacements and, for instance, also looking at um, set use for, for batteries which come out of cars, um, disposal of batteries, and they need to be regulations put in place. They need to be um, a certain infrastructure, how to cater for that. Uh, so three things. Price parity charging infrastructure, and a holistic approach to catering for electric vehicles. Quite a lot to do, quite a lot on the agenda. I want to just ask about your, your local manufacturing plant in East London. Yeah. Do you retool that at some point to make EVs? Are you, is, that, is that in the... On the roadmap? I mean, uh, first of all, as I mentioned, it's state of the art. We've mm. we've just launched or rolled out the new C-Class in the last year where we've upgraded the production plant to the latest status and state of the art technology. On the other hand, what I'm also super happy is that we're already down that road. We're, we're producing the C-Class plug-in hybrid, mm -hmm. the C300E, the C400E, and that's already basically um, uh, a plug-in hybrid is best of both worlds. Yes. Uh, so, so we already have the competency of producing battery-packed cars in, in East London, and then we need to see where, where the journey takes us. Mm -hmm. I've always wondered whether the hybrid model makes more sense in South Africa, at least in the short term, uh, to, you know, given the challenges we've got in this market, that perhaps consumers would be more comfortable in a hybrid than a full EV at this stage. Your view on that? Uh, good question. That's, that's actually a, a, a topic which we're looking into. Mm -hmm. um, we've had hybrid vehicles, plug-in hybrid vehicles in the past in South Africa, um, probably not taken off as, as well as we would have wanted in a way, uh, but also um, maybe it was not the right time. Mm. We've now said, okay, let's go ahead with electric vehicles and maybe in parallel at some stage we'll bring in plug-in hybrids for the people which are not completely confident or ready to do the big leap of faith. Mm. And for those who are ready to make the leap of faith, let's have a brief look before we end this discussion today at the four vehicles yep. that you announced uh, just a couple of weeks yep. ago. Um, let's start with let's start with the the, the cheapest uh, entry level model, if I can call it that. That's the EQA. Now the, these vehicles are named very similarly to your existing yes. iSpace vehicles. The, you've got the A series, the B series, the yes. C series, E series, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the, these are the electric equivalents of those, I presume. So the EQA would be the electric equivalent of an A class of a GLA. So it's GLA. our it's our compact sports SUV. Mm -hmm. um, now the benefit, for instance, to electric vehicles, because it's a different vehicle architecture. In the past, um, cars were designed around an engine block. Yes. That falls away mostly now, and that gives you more interior space in a similar-sized car. And um, so the, the EQA is probably, for me, the most promising car in a South African context because it's accessible mm -hmm. to, let's say, a wider audience. It's still a luxury automobile and obviously um, carries a certain price. Um, but it's, it's more or less, if you look at cost of ownership, you're going to have the same amount uh, which you have to pay for a C-Class as you would have to pay for an EQA. Right. Roughly speaking, depending obviously on mileage you do. Then the second one would be the EQB. So just, so just on the EQA, so we're looking at 148 kilowatts of power from that vehicle yep. and a four, about a 420 kilometer range. 426, roughly. yes. 426. Um, and then the EQB. Yes. The EQB is, let's say, the one size up from the EQA. I always call it um, our family SUV because you get it up to a seven-seater. 
So that's very exciting. Also, if you look at family sizes in South Africa, that's that's a perfect solution to take the granny along if you want it. <laughs> I always say it that way. Um, and and that, at a very attractive price, offers you a lot of flexibility and variability uh, in a vehicle from having an active outdoor lifestyle to taking the entire family away uh, mm -hmm. wherever you're going. And it's a it's an SUV. Yes, uh, and and the sort of uh, range you're looking at on the on that vehicle is is the same range as the EK. Not the same as the so they they they're more or less conceptually similar, similar vehicles. Um, they just are attracting a different clientele or or character buyer. Mm -hmm. Okay, then we go to the EQC, which yes. uh, is, I was having a look at the specs on this. This is this is quite a, a, a nippy car. Three hundred yes. kilowatts yes. is uh, is sports car territory and, basically. And, and what we did yeah. recently, we did just for the fun of it, drag races between a a AMG and a EQC. And because electric vehicles in general have that instant torque, it's also mm. the driving performance and, and, and uh, uh, that, that driving fun which you have with them, it outguns a AMG 0 to 60. Because it's, uh, I mean, it. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, you've got the instant torque. So if you, if you have a, 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 a normal petrol car, it yeah. revs up and then it comes to peak performance. With an electric vehicle, it's straight there. Astonishing. Yeah. I, I, I must drive one. I must test drive one yeah. of those. I'll and I mean, what's, what's, yeah. what's fascinating about all of these cars, uh, for instance, the digitalization, the, the digital um, head unit, are next level on these cars. Oh, these large screens. Yes. I've, I've seen those yeah. in the photos. It looks and, absolutely and, and, stunning. And I mean, uh, uh, the pinnacle of that is mm. the EQS, which, which has a 1 meter 50 widescreen. And that just gives you a complete different user experience and so many different possibilities mm. to not only get in the most luxurious form and the, in future in the most sustainable form from A to B, but also to use that car for entertainment, connectivity purposes. Hopefully not watching Netflix while you're driving. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a very valid point and that's part of a very diligent homologation process. Mm -hmm. So if you have the EQS, your wife can or whoever can sit next to you and watch Netflix, mm -hmm. and because of the way the screen is set up, you as the driver can't even can't see, see it. and uh, they are, uh, they are uh, it tracks your eye movement, and if your eyes would swerve to the left to the screen, the screen is uh, uh, shuts off. It's, it's amazing technology. I, I love that, and that's what You've makes... Got, so the screen in that car is called, I think, the M-Bucks Hyperscreen. Yeah, the MBUX is, MBUX. is the Mercedes-Benz user experience, mm -hmm. which is basically the operating system which, which connects all the dots. Yeah. And uh, that is the hyperscreen, which is 150 meters in, in, in width. width. Um, and it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating piece of technology. I've, I've had a brief look at MBUX. It's very clever technology. It's, yeah. it's the way you can talk to your yeah. vehicle and get it to do things yeah. for you. Yes. You can tell it to open yeah. the windows or yeah. whatever. It's super. Yeah. And I mean, it's... it's, it's that is what fascinates people, and that's for me why also the techie aspect of cars yep. is a new form of luxury. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Great. Well, before, before I let you go, I just want to know a little bit more about this S-Class, because I've been reading about uh, what some of the things it can do. Yep. This is coming into the African market when exactly? Well, we, we launched it together um, two weeks ago. We're just waiting for the final home legation and customers are going to be taking delivery, I would say, later part of October. And, and we're very excited because, especially for the EQS, mm -hmm. let's say the early adapters, um, our top-end clientele, have been running down doors for us um, to get their hands on this vehicle. And we've got two different versions, the EQS 450 mm -hmm. and 
the EQS 53. And um, what that, are the differences? Uh, the EQS 450 is, um, I mean, I'm not going to call it the standard version, but it's it's the for the lack of the better word, I'll call it now a standard version, which has the range of 782 kilometers, by mm -hmm. the way. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the EQS 53 is the performance version. Oh. So it's the AMG version of an electric vehicle. So uh, uh, basically, we've managed to combine e-mobility with performance, AMG and EQ, and, and it's absolutely mind-blowing. So how fast does this performance version go? 3.8 seconds from 0 to 100. Uh, uh, 940 newton meters of torque. I mean, it, 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 it's not a pocket rocket; it's an electric rocket, if you want it. Yes, yes. And uh, the, the the people who are, are signing up to or placing pre-orders for these vehicles are these S-class owners currently. Um, it's an interesting one, not only in South Africa but also in other countries of the world. Comple uh, completely diverse. We've oh. we've had um, from uh, sports car competitors. Uh, people switching over because they just are fascinated by the technology and the driving performance to traditional S-Class customers who just want to be early adapters. Um, to, and also in terms of demographics, we've had very young customers suddenly be having a vast interest to, let's say, older generations um, saying, I want to be at the forefront of it. So, so basically, all walks of life, if I can say it that way. Fascinating, fascinating. Last question, uh, with the move to electric mobility, has Mercedes globally said when they plan to retire ice-based vehicles entirely? And do you, at what point, I mean, you've given the 20, in 2026 figure for 50% EV sales in South Africa. At what point does this market switch entirely to electric? 2032. 2032 globally and in South Africa? Yes. Fascinating. Yes. Mark Rain, CEO of Mercedes-Benz South Africa, thank, thank you, you so much, much for joining us. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed that discussion as much as I have. Uh, as always, uh, if you'd like to subscribe to the show, youtube.com slash techcentral. Otherwise, go to techcentral.co.za for all the latest tech news and interviews. Thank you. Cheers.